Well, it's great to see you. I, I know we have people uh, that are watching online. I, I heard from my friend Doug, who, who is wishing us well and praying for us today. And I just appreciate uh, long-time relationships. This is the longest Colette and I have ever lived anywhere. And um, this has been our home, and you have been family. And so, so what do I talk about today? And I was thinking about one of my favorite verses. A few years ago, we as a church, church board at that time, uh, were looking and examining our mission statement. I, I think our DS wanted us to do this. Uh, it was a good thing for them to do, get every church making sure, you know, what is your mission? And so we developed a new mission statement that Placerville Church of the Nazarene is on a journey, living God's love and sharing God's word. And I don't know how often we say this. I, it's, it's on the bottom of the bulletin every week. But, you know, it's just kind of there, and you, maybe you just think it's part of the decoration. But, but really, that is what we talk about is our purpose, and so today, uh, as I was thinking about this, I, re I remembered a few years ago when the Ambassadors Group, this Bible study that met on Tuesday mornings, that, and, and I met with this, it's mostly retired uh, men who, for 18 years, I have never been a part of a Bible study that long. And these guys have become really important in my life. And there was a time when, when I asked each of them to examine the scriptures and figure out a verse that was really important to you, a kind of a life verse. And so they did that, and I did it too. And this verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, were the one, was, was the verse that I came up with. It has been amazing to me as I have worked with these guys and done some funerals that those life verses have let me know them in a way that maybe I wouldn't have known them quite as well. And I hope that you understand how important this one is for me today. Because this is kind of a life verse for me. So I'm calling this Live, Love, Farewell. And when, when you think about farewell, uh, I think of the sound of music, you know. Uh, Alveders ain't farewell, you know, that kind of a thing. What does it mean? I want to fare well, and I want you to fare well. We're just not going to do it together like we have for the last almost 20 years. So look with me at Ephesians chapter 5 at verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So you think about our mission, living God's love, sharing God's word. Well, how do we, how do, we do that? You know, I think about the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the message? And we condense it down to this one simple phrase, God is love. But I want to remind you today that the purpose of love is not just for you to feel good about yourself or other people around you. The purpose of love is to share the gospel, which is love. So it kind of comes back on love. 
So here's how we live love, and here's how we share the message of God. In these two verses, we see this idea of mimic and migrate and mature. So number one, if you're taking notes today, write this down. We are to mimic. What a strange word to have uh, in this letter from Paul to this church. You know, it's like if you can't really do it well, just mimic, you know, just kind of fake it. Oh, to fake being a Christian? Yes, that's what I'm telling you today. If you're not good at doing it genuinely, fake it. Yes, stay with me. We'll see if this works out. I don't know if it will. The, the Greek word here, mimites, it means to imitate as children. Okay, now that helps me a little bit. Because the way children learn to do things is by imitating. And by their parents disciplining and training them and, and encourage them. So children mimic their parents. Now, this is good if the parents are doing good things. It's not so good if the parents are doing some bad things because the, the kids are going to do what the parents do. They catch it. And true children of God, true children do the same thing as their father. And even before children understand what they're doing, they unconsciously do what they see their parent do. And, you know, I like this passage because it describes us as children who are beloved. Uh, this word actually carries the idea of baby Christians or infants in the kingdom or newly born again. And we all enter into a relationship with Christ in that way. We all have to be born again. No matter how old you are, you are a baby Christian when you first meet Christ. And at that time, what are you supposed to do? To mimic Christ. And so our passage deals with this beloved. And, you know, it's good because kids eventually will do things as habit because that's the way dad did it. Or that's what mom said to do. Here's an example. How many times as parents have we said to our kids, say thank you, say please. And I'll tell you, I remember a moment when one of our kids did the please and thank you thing on their own. And I went, wow, they have a great mom. <laughs> Which is true because uh, the, everything they learned about being a good behaved kids came from her. I taught them some other stuff. They, and they have mimicked uh, some of the things along the way. But when, when they get it, they're not just mimicking. They're doing it because they're realizing it's the right thing to do, and there's a little kind of discipline in there. I, I want you to see this. I have this in your notes. Even before we have understanding, understanding of why we might do something, we can follow God with discipline until we're able to follow him with personal conviction. So what I'm telling you, if you don't feel it and you want to be a Christian and you see something in the Christ is doing, do it too, even if you have to imitate. Now, I don't want you to stay in this level too long because then what you become is an imitation Christian. We are to imitate, to mimic, and to grow. 
So be assured the journey of the Christian life is one of growth, and it is meant to keep moving forward more and more becoming like Christ until we have a mastery, a mastery over sin, a mastery over temptation by the power of the Spirit within you. So grow in the Spirit, grow in the disciplines of the faith. Don't be an imitation Christian, but imitate until you get discipline. All right? Discipline, discipleship, follow through on that. We begin with a mimic. Is it okay to mimic God for a while? Don't stay there. Hebrews talks about being milk-fed believers. No, grow, mature, eat meat, the meat of the gospel. Okay, so the second thing is to migrate. So start out mimicking, but then migrate. Migrate into living out love. We talk about our church being on a journey living God's love. Well, we're meant to get somewhere, to get to be loving even when we don't feel like it. You know, it's amazing. People tell me how fortunate I am to pastor this church. I was just at the district meetings, and, you know, we're in between these interviewing candidates for ministry positions in the future. We're talking about this, and and they say, "Wow, you're so lucky to be at Placerville." And I say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you, wow, yeah." And I I really didn't understand it, so I finally said, "What do you mean? Well, you got a great church. I, I I see how involved you are in the district. I see I see what wonderful things you do. You always pay your budgets." And oh well, yes, I, but I've never been in a church that didn't pay their budget. I've been blessed that way. So, Steve, I'm hoping to get credit for that here today. <laughs> Probably not much, but anyway. You know, we're meant to get somewhere in our faith. And as we mature, you know, tithing might be an example of this. Why do you tithe? Because the Bible tells me, and I'm supposed to do it, and the church tells me, and, and when, they, when I wanted to join the church, they said I got to tithe in order to join the church. Okay, but at some point, I hope you do it because you migrate from that to a heart of giving. And, and, and that is a joy to be generous. And, and that's what we need to do. I mean, this is a great church because it's made up of great people who, who work together in great ways. And, and, and they pray and they pay and, and, and they say and they, and they do all those things. Thank you for being that church. I have been blessed to be a part of a great church. This is my only church, so I don't that I've ever pastored as a lead pastor. So I want you to know I understand what a good church is, but I have taken it for granted that this was a good church. Somebody is going to come and be the pastor here, and 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 they're going to be blessed. They're going to be blessed to have this church. To be a part of this family has been such joy for us. And, and part of that is because you are people who watch what God does and then does it too. Now, it might start out with imitating, mimicking, but at some point you have moved because you're doing it because you believe that's God's will for you as an individual and as a church. So mostly we do what God does. And what does God do mostly? Mostly God loves. That's what God does. And, and we are to live a life of love. We talked last week about how we are to follow. Christ said that kind of funny way, you know, if, if you're going to follow me, follow me. 
Well, then that seems kind of silly. But let me tell you, if people say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but then they're not following Christ, are they really a believer? And I love it that you just put it into action. And I've been blessed to be a part of that with you. So when we accompany God, not just follow Him, but come alongside Him, we learn to live a life of love. And it really is that simple. It may not be always easy, but it's that simple. So live love, because God is love, and God loves you. So mimic until you migrate into living love. And what will happen is you will become, number three, mature. Oh, I am so looking forward to becoming mature in my life. Because lately I've been, I've been told that I'm elderly. This week I was told, man, you're old. And that was one of the fellow pastors who's pretty young. But I realized he's kind of getting old. And he said, how old are you? And I said, well, I just turned 70 in December, and he just about died. He thought I would have been gone long before this. But then he said, oh, man, you look really good for, for 70, for being elderly. You know, at this point, I'll take it. But I'm wondering, when am I going to become mature? What is it to be mature as a Christian? This is where we grow, and, we, and the natural thing happens. We grow as a Christian until we bear fruit. A mature tree produces fruit, and so do a Christian. And I want you to know that we are not just to bear fruit, but it's supposed to be sweet fruit, fruit that is appetizing and attractive and lovely. So when you follow the example of Christ, I mean, you love. And love is sweet. It smells good. It tastes right. But look at Christ's love. In this passage, it says that Christ loved and he sacrificed. And that smelled sweet to God. And we are supposed to do the same thing. We talked about sacrifice. We talk about suffering. We talk about serving. And all of that is to be done in such a sweet way that people are attracted to God, to the gospel. Th this word in our passage today, the pleasing aroma to God, is this Greek word, osme. And osme literally means a pleasant fragrance or an odor or savor. Uh, we don't use that word. Something's so good, I just want to savor that. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because when I usually think of the word odor, I don't think of it in good terms. I think of bad. Oh, you've got a bad odor, uh, a, a body odor. It, it, is that the way it is for you? Yeah. Well, okay. Usually if someone has an odor, it's, we associate it's a bad thing. But actually, odor is neutral. You can have a good odor or a bad odor. And um, it... it for years, the whole time that I've been here, I have used the same aftershave. Polo green bottle aftershave. And uh, I know because some of you said, 
oh, what is that smell? And then you said, oh, that smells so good. Elaine loved that aftershave. She, she's moved away now, so I, I don't know what to say. But recently, I, um, I was going through my closet trying to you know, get a few things uh, to get rid of, and, and I had a whole bunch of Hawaiian shirts. And for some reason, I think they shrunk, and um, they don't fit anymore. So I thought, you know, our, our grandkids really liked to wear those when they would come, and so I got five of them together, and I sent them to Florida. And uh, they seemed to like that a lot. And, and so they all got Bapa's Hawaiian shirts on. And, and Nike sent me a note. She's the youngest one. She's like eight at the time. And she said, I just love my Hawaiian shirt. It smells like Bapa. And when I put it on, I feel like I'm getting a big hug from Bapa. Oh, man. What? I wanted to send her money. Uh, you, know, you just can't. You just can't buy that kind of good feeling there. But um, and, and so I get that. I, and and I hope that 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 you're around pleasant odors. But I hope you give off a pleasant odor, so that people are attracted to God through you. Jesus's sacrifice was sweet perfume to God. And our love must be sweet. It must be a fragrance that people will save. So sharing God's word shouldn't stink, okay? Sometimes this is what happens. And, and I know you, you've been there and, uh, and somebody's well-meaning and, and maybe they're trying, maybe they're imitating or mim uh, mimicking what they know to do, but somehow their sharing of the gospel comes out a little sour. You know, mature fruit is not sour. It's sweet. It's desirable. It's attractive. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible to share the gospel without love? You know, I, I, I've seen this, uh, and usually it's a guy with a megaphone on the street corner yelling about hell, you know? And, and that doesn't seem too sweet to me. I want to flee from those kind of folks. And, and if someone tries to share the gospel without love, it stinks. It either stinks for the one that's sharing it, and it sure stinks to the one who's receiving it. And so you're not, if you're not sharing the gospel with love, stop sharing the gospel. Mimic for a while, migrate, mature, then share the gospel. And I'm amazed how some young Christians can get this right away and they share the gospel with love. And for some of us, it has taken a while. Well, it's time to mature and bear sweet fruit. What is the fruit of a Christian? What is the mature fruit? You think about the character qualities of Christ. You think about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all those. Those are the things that people are needing from Christians so that they can believe that God is real and that God loves them. And so we need to be that 
sweet perfume. Now, I'm not saying you need to sugarcoat it. Some of you were here on um, Valentine's Day, which happened to be on Sunday this year, and you got a little box of conversation hearts. Do you remember those? You should remember that. That was like two weeks ago. And I, I just noticed that those hearts that we got were sour. But it said, starts sour and turns sweet. And I sure want that for you. I want that for me. And I don't care if you start sour, turn sweet, migrate, move, mature. And sure, in God's word, should not stink. Because it's, it is so sweet to share the good news with others, with love. So, people will receive the message differently, too. So, be sweet, like good fruit, like ripe fruit, mature fruit. Because mature plants produce good fruit, and it is sweet, not sour. I want you to see this. This is an orange tree covered with snow, and this is a good thing. As long as it doesn't get too cold. I remember when we were coming down through California, we were moving to a new church from Salem to Las Vegas, and, and we got down to Tulare, and it was 1990. And it was the year of a really super hard freeze. Do you remember that? The oranges on the trees in Tulare County froze solid. Not good for oranges. And it was, it was, it was a fascinating time because we got to Vegas and we drove into town. I think it was like even on New Year's Eve. And so we got there and we are driving and we see this wonderful hotel, the Tropicana, which is themed in a, in a tropical paradise, you know? South Pacific type of stuff. And so we're there, we're looking at it, and here's these tikis and these waterfalls, and there's ice all over it. It was just a real mixed feeling. I, I did not feel warm and cozy looking at that. I felt like I was back in Oregon. But you, but you think about that. With oranges, what I learned after all those years in, in Porterville was that frost is good for the fruit. It seems bad, right? But it's actually good because what it causes the orange to do is to produce sugar because the orange can handle more cold if it's sweeter. So those farmers were praying for it to be cold, just not too cold. And it's an amazing thing because I think that works in our lives too. When we suffer a little hardship, we can become sweeter as God carries us through that. Now, let me tell you something else that happens, and this is kind of a sad and tragic thing, is that some people, they say they're following Christ, but then a, a crisis occurs. And all of a sudden they say, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? And they get bitter, not better. And they didn't use that opportunity to grow and to mature and to become sweeter. And maybe they walked away. And that happens. But I want you to know, if you face adversity, God can use that too to make you sweeter. Sacrifice, suffering, serving. These are things we do. And as we walk with God through these, we become sweeter. 
And so, so do that. Now, I, I'm kind of concerned because the older I get, you know, I wonder if I'm going to be, become sour. So I give you permission. If you see me being sour, oh, Colette, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, if you <laughs> help me. And, and Colette's been doing that all along. So thank you for that. Let hardship make you sweet. It's easy to say. Not easy to do. But guess what? God and His Spirit will help that happen in your life. So, mimic, migrate, mature. And I want to take you now back a couple pages in Ephesians to, to chapter 3. Because at the in, in chapter 3, the end of chapter 3, there is a great benediction right in the middle of this letter from Paul to the Ephesians. There's a benediction, and we often use this in our services, and, and I want to share the context of this verse, this passage with you. So this is a, Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Paul adds a personal note. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, and you should feel honored. And then back to the text. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees, and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, and I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will glow down deep, down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great, it's, it's too great to understand fully. And then look what happens if, when we get all of this going for us then you will be made complete. We often translate that same word, mature, with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Look at this passage. Come to God. Come boldly. Mimic what you see until you get it and you can do it because you believe it. And even in tough times, you can do it. Don't lose heart. Suffering happens for Christians, but it produces sweetness if we allow it to do its intended good work in our lives. And pray, let life turn you to God. That's where the power is. And have, have this inner strength that is provided by the Holy Spirit. Get your roots, roots down deep and develop that inner strength. It says, lift. Make your heart his home. As I told you, this church, this Placerville, has been our home longer than any other home we've ever lived in, any city we've ever lived. And it is home 
And, and people ask me, well, are you looking forward to retirement? And I say, well, yeah, in some ways I'm really dreading it. Because I'm, we're, we're going to probably sell our home, downsize all that. We don't even know where we're going to relocate. So we're going to lose our, lose our home. We're going to lose our community. I, I'm losing my job. And, and I'm going to lose my church family. Um, I'm going to find another church family somewhere. You know, it, it needs to be somewhere for, for time anyway. But I don't, I don't even know. I, I just have a loss today. But I know that my real home is with Christ. Yesterday at the, at the service for Bob and Carolyn, Bob and Carolyn, for the last couple of years, they, they've just not been the same. And, and it's been hard to visit them because they were locked down. And, and I, it wasn't very long ago in December that that Bob had an infection and had to be taken to the hospital. And so I raced down to see him because I could get into the hospital, but I couldn't get into their living situation. So I went down there and, and, and he was really confused and, and he wasn't the Bob Scott. And so I, I said to him and I, and I, and I prayed over him and I said, Oh Lord, bring him home. Because this wasn't home anymore. Yesterday, as Steve and Vicky shared, they're home now. And they got to go home as family together. Christ wants to make your heart his home. So trust him. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. We, we know this. Just do it. And stay strong. Let your roots go down deep. Strong trees have strong roots. They're well-nourished. And then we begin to understand his love. And then it becomes second nature to us. Spirit in us. And it is big enough for any circumstance we might face. We might not understand all the circumstances. But as we understand God, we know he's going to be with us. And haven't we been saying that in this whole last year? God, you've got this. Because we sure don't. And we need to make sure he's got it. The last thing that Paul says in this portion of the scripture is be complete. Be mature. And when you mature, you become God's masterpiece. And you are created to do good works in Christ. That's in Ephesians 2, 2.10. And what a wonderful verse that God is calling you to be a masterpiece that is going to attract people to him because you are just a reflection of who he is. So I was thinking about this service, and I, and people have been asking me, "Isn't this great?" and "Are you sad?" and all that. And and so this verse came to me. I maybe in the middle of the night. I don't know, but it's it's a verse uh, that is not in the Bible. So don't go looking for it. You you may know where this is. It, it's it says this: parting is such sweet sorrow. Do you know where? God said that? No, it, it, it wasn't. It sounds like God, but, but it wasn't God. It was Shakespeare. 
Oh, you're going, oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, where was it in Shakespeare? Anybody? Romeo and Juliet. This is a more literary crowd than first service, I just want to say. Or braver to, to shout it out. and you know. So Juliet said this to Romeo. They were going to run away and get married and live happily ever after the next day. But this is the famous balcony scene. Ah, this is one of the renditions of it. Young love, you just got to love it, you know? And Juliet said, parting is... She needed to let him go so that they could go on with their plans tomorrow. But it was sad. It was sweet and sad at the same time. That's the way I feel. I know some of you are feeling that way. Now, I realize I've been in the ministry long enough that I know for some of you this is sweeter. And for some of you, it's more sorrowful. And for me, it's the same. For me, some of you, it's a little sweeter. And for some of you, it's, it's very sorrowful. But I'm in trouble. Um, I, I, I so want us all to fare well. I realize I'm going to move on, and, and, I, and I know you want me, you want Colette to fare well. And I don't know where we're going to end up, and I don't know what we're going to do. I'm sure we're going to be in some Nazarene church somewhere doing something. I just don't know now. So, we. Um, but I also want this church to fare well. I, I so want you individually to fare well, to grow, to be mature, to produce that good fruit, to share the gospel sweetly. And I know he has great things in store for his church here in Placerville. So there's a wonderful benediction. In the New Living, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able. I mean, he can do anything, right? You know that? Through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Far more than we can even imagine, it says, in our wildest dreams. And then it says this in verse 21, Glory to him in the church. And in Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Perhaps many of you are a little more familiar with this verse from the NIV. And I would like to close this service with us sharing this together. And if you feel comfortable with your mask on, Maybe you'd like to mumble this along with me. And so I want you to feel these words. This is a benediction, a blessing for all of us today. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Say it with me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that it is work within us. Would you say that again? That is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.
one of the things that we have done last Sunday is to elect new officers for the church. And I would like to just take a moment to recognize them. And for our final prayer, I would like for them to join me. And we're going to ask God's blessing. This is a big year for the church to have new leadership, uh, to have con- people continuing on. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, there's going to be some new positions. And I want you to see these people and I want you to, to pray over them. So one of those, Josh, can you come? Josh has been our uh, church board secretary, which he doesn't do any secretarial stuff, let me just say. But he is, uh, this is a position in our church uh, to be uh, an officer of the church as secretary. So he has lots of duties that that deal with that. And so six feet away. Okay. My last thing I can tell you to do. Okay. And so pray for him because he'll be uh, working with the DS to call meetings, to, to work through things. And it's a very, it's a big job. And, and uh, so pray for Josh. Also, uh, Ruth, who is in first service, Ruth O'Shea. Uh, Sarah Remus. Sarah is new to the board this year, although she's been in this church like, like your whole life, pretty much. Third grade, okay. So I don't know what happened before third grade, but she's done well. She's done really well since then. Works with our children, uh, great with events and all kinds of things. So uh, bless her life. Uh, Debbie uh, Riley has been our treasurer, is now a board member and the treasurer. And then we have two officers, a secretary and the treasurer. And so we blessed her first hour. Jenny Riley, is Jenny here? She's teaching Sunday school. Okay, see, good workers. Um, Roy Van Sant. There. Roy has been a part of the board for a long time. Uh, Roy, you have been here since right when you were born, right? Yeah. So uh, it's great to have that continuity. Um, Susan, would you come and join Roy? Susan has been uh, our... She was the secretary when she started, but she has become the office administrator, and, and she, she really runs the the administrative part of the church. And what a blessing to have her continue in that. So uh, Lynn Hami. Lynn is our new um, Sunday school superintendent. Lynn has been our children's director for many, uh, the whole time that I've been here. And she loves kids. And she's going to help us with that uh, in a greater way now. So we bless her. Our NMI president, Linda Hughes. She's here. Oh, she's for your sitting today. Yeah. So this is the, the portion of the church board that is here in this service now. So just would you notice them and would you pray for them? They have a big job during a pastoral transition during COVID. And, and, and so I just ask for your blessing upon their life. And so I would just invite you right now. Could we pray? Lord, I just thank you for the church and especially that these who stand before us today, because they have gotten to the place where they're willing to serve, and maybe even they'll suffer through that, and they'll make sacrifices. And Lord, you well to bring this church into following you more closely than ever before to bring glory to the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Okay, now, so we have a little uh, gift here for you. Um, oh, and this is for you. This is just from Colette and I, and I'm going to open it right now because I'll cry. Okay. Okay, so I uh, already gave Susan and Roy theirs. So, uh, Josh, you've got one of these. What I have here is a, um, a sketch that was done quite a few years ago by a kid who used to go to church here, and he turned out pretty good as an artist, Thomas Kincaid. And he, he drew a sketch of our old church over there on Coloma. Uh, he calls it Hometown Chapel. So if you ever see Hometown Chapel in any of his paintings, it's our old church. And he ran off to marry some girl, but um, so it's been quite a while. Uh, but Roy, if you want to know more about Thomas Kincaid, Roy uh, was kind of raised right around the corner. And so they've known him very well. And this is a sketch that Thomas Kincaid of our church. If you want to know more of what the old church looked like, go to room 101 where we have the actual painting. This does not look at all like that. This is idealized, like I am going to be idealizing the church from now on. And, and so this little sketch, this is a lithograph. That means it's printed on fancy paper. That's all it really means. But I want to remind all of us, and especially you, we have come from this place. And there were some good days at this church. But we have moved to a wonderful location, beautiful setting, a, wonder, a beautiful building here. And I, I was so privileged to be part of that with all of you. And so I want you leaders to, to remember this. So, um, okay, I already gave you one. That's right. Linda, here you go. Blessings on you. Thank you. And, oh, okay. Oh, look at this one that Sarah has. Sarah has one that's loading. It's loading in this. And, and you know, it's kind of ethereal to think about. You know, the church is to be a foundation, but it is a foundation unto its own. And, and so, you know, I'm so glad that you're going to be a part of our leadership team. I wish us could be here for that. You got yours, right? Mine, mine. Thank you. Okay. So, did, did we pray? Go sit down. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Last time I can give instructions. Um, Sean, would you please join me and, and Vicki? Sean and Vicki uh, are serving as uh, pastoral staff. Uh, Sean will be uh, taking on the responsibility as interim pastor, and this is a big job. Vicky is continuing as worship pastor. And along with Susan, who, oh, I, I let you both sit down, Susan, but that's okay. Oh, there you are. Yeah, you're fine. I want you to know, this is huge, because the three of them are going to be running the daily activities of the church. They're going to be working with the board in moving forward. And so I want you to know, this is a big job. Sean is still fairly new. Maybe a lot of you don't know him. Stop him and introduce yourself and take him out to lunch, okay? So he can get to know you and do that. And Pastor Vicki has been here the whole time. She, she was here before I came. And she was kind of looking around, is this new pastor going to work? It did. Okay. And, you know, we have worked together 
for all, almost 20 years. You, you've got more than 20 years right now. And it has just been a joy that I could just talk to her about stuff and she could do it and she would sometimes grumble because I can make people grumble. Yes, yes. And yet we have had a, an amazing, long working relationship. I, I just, it's a phenomenal to me. Susan, almost as long. And so these ladies have been a great blessing to me and they will continue to be a great blessing to the church. So, Susan, I do need to come back. Sorry. I, I, I want to just pray over these, if, if we could, too. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just thank you for your church. And some of us are called to lead in special ways, beyond just the ordinary Christian. All of us are called to minister. But some are called to minister full-time and to give their life in service. And so I just pray for Sean today. Bless him. Help him, Lord. I pray for Vicki, as, as she too is feeling kind of the near the end of her ministry time. But Lord, bless her. Help her to help the church and help her to finish well. And thank you for Susan and all that she knows and all that she has learned, which is going to be such a great help moving forward with the church. Thank you, Lord. May we all pray much for these who will continue to lead. And may they bring glory to you, Jesus. Amen. I know there's several others that have served in different ways, some in the past, and we just celebrate all of you who have been so important to Placerville Church of the Nazarene and to the kingdom of God. God bless you. And... Uh, Hopefully, we'll see some of you this afternoon. Mm -hmm. If you're not able to go, Cole and I are going to head right outside, and we would love mm -hmm. to say farewell to you. God bless you.